Teaching to the Standards is a series that explores the importance of and accessibility to teaching to the standards for mathematical practice. My name is Seth Hunter and I'm a math specialist with the Kentucky Department of Education. Recently, I spoke with Ryan Davis, a math teacher at Central High School Magnet Career Academy in Louisville, Kentucky. Ryan tells us of the ways in which he has already addressed some parts of the fifth practice standard as well as shared some ideas he has for addressing this standard in the future. Sit back, listen, and learn to how one Kentucky teacher has deepened his understanding of this standard. As I started to think about the fifth mathematical practice standard, using appropriate tools strategically, and the implications it would have on my practice as a teacher, uh, I first began to realize that there was kind of a lot packed in to just the language used in, in the heading of that standard. The first thing that kind of came to mind was they, they classify appropriate tools, which depending on the situation and the goal or the task that my students are trying to complete, there might be several tools that are available to them, but I started to think how can I get them to recognize which of the tools are appropriate? Is this a task that's best done with pencil and paper, with some sort of technology? Um, and just get them to start having that kind of internal dialogue and dialogue with their classmates about how do you make that choice of an appropriate tool? Uh, and the next key word, the strategically, kind of indicated to me that I needed to work to getting my students to move beyond just picking a tool and going for it. They needed to have a, a plan in mind, a strategy, sort of a, a, a map for how they were going to go about solving a problem, which is something I haven't really been encouraging my students to do much in kind of the big picture sense. And so I've been thinking a lot about how to get them to make that beginning to end planned and analyze benefits, advantages, disadvantages of their approach. An example of a, a, a more traditional problem is the pet shop problem. It's a shop that has 15 animals, cats and birds, and there's a total of 32 legs and you have to figure out how many different types of birds and cats there are. Uh, probably to any math teacher it comes off as a standard systems of equations problem. Uh, the reason that it jumped to my mind when thinking about the standard was uh, in reflecting on how my students viewed the problem I had you know several students that did follow the traditional systems method to solve the problem but really in this problem a lot of students of mine tended towards the guess and check method of just trying different answers and seeing which one worked out and as a teacher I had been kind of judgmental of viewing that as a less sophisticated mathematical approach to solving the problem and wanting to push students towards um, the systems method as a way to increase their mathematical uh, sophistication. In reading this standard and thinking about all that, I, I realized that I was kind of making a value judgment for the students on, an appro on the appropriate tool that they were using. And I was in turn taking that judgment decision out of their hands. And as I thought about it more, I realized that some of my students could solve this problem very quickly and efficiently with guess and check. The solution is obviously an integer solution. And they could even do it faster than some of the students who could solve it with a systems of equation method. And so in my mind, that should be a conversation that's had with the students of, is your method okay? Is it appropriate? Did you use it strategically? And if it can meet all those qualifications and they can justify it, then I've led them in a conversation to help them develop their fifth practice standard as opposed to just imposing my, um, 
my values and judgment on how they should solve a problem. During the pet shop problem, you were talking about how some of your students used a guess and check method when you were um, expecting them to mainly use a system of equations to solve the problem. And that was, um, that had reminded me of a geometry student I once had who uh, he would always come into class with calculator code written to help him solve some more skill-based geometric questions or you know after he figured out a concept he would use the code that he had written which is something that I was not familiar with at all and so both of these um, anecdotes brought to mind the question about you know what do you do in those moments where a student does something that's totally unanticipated or brings in a tool that maybe you or I might not be familiar with. How do you how do you handle that and then how could it be used as a learning opportunity? I think the focus of the standard is on turning that question back onto the student and getting them to justify the use of their tool, um, which is really a real world, real world skill that they're going to need if they're going to be innovating tools in their job and in industry or wherever. They're going to need to be able to explain why it was an appropriate tool to use and then also explain the limitations and maybe where that tool would not be appropriate to use. Uh, for instance, uh, what problem wouldn't you use guess and check in and why wouldn't you? Or does the calculator code have any sort of limitations when it comes to other geometry problems? As long as the student is engaging in that sort of thought process, I think that they're developing their competency in this practice standard. Using mathematical tools, as mentioned in the fifth practice standard, is something that our students have been doing for as long as we've been teaching math. I think the practice standard is just trying to help us uh, make the student's use of tools more apparent to the student. For instance, in the George Washington no Knows problem that I've used in my class, uh, students are asked to find an estimate of how long George Washington's nose would be on Mount Rushmore if the entire height of his head on Mount Rushmore is 60 feet. Uh, in solving this problem, students pull in um, benchmark ratios that they've learned in art class about the nose to face. Uh, they pull in data that they collect from their classmates using rulers, other forms of measurement. Uh, some of them pull in data from the internet about the physical characteristics of George Washington. And all of these things that they do naturally introduces a new tool to the process, whether it be a ruler, whether it be a spreadsheet to collect the data, whether it be pencil and paper. And the practice standard in my mind is really kind of reminding me that when a student pulls in a tool I need to help them be aware that they are applying a tool and also aware of some of the limitations. If they're using a spreadsheet, is the spreadsheet going to encumber their ability to solve the problem by, by being kind of too hefty of a tool for the task? If they use a ruler, is the ruler going to be an accurate enough tool to provide a decent measurement? If they use a benchmark ratio, is that going to be applicable to everybody's face and can they extend that to someone they don't know. Uh, it's just really getting them to think about the tools they already know and use but think about them in kind of an analytical way. So this installment of Teaching to the Standards is focusing on the fifth mathematical practice using appropriate tools strategically but we have um, already released a set of uh, podcasts that focus around the fourth mathematical practice which is Model with Mathematics. And there's been some uh, folks in the math ed community who have put forth the idea that the fourth and fifth practice are really um, one larger practice. So um, 
I was going to see what you thought about how the fourth and fifth practice could work to um, how one practice could aid the development of another uh, and sort of how they complemented each other um, through your teaching. So whatever your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I think the two standards do kind of correlate quite nicely to create a successful model um, you know, for a simple or even a complex problem. Students are going to need to have different mathematical tools at their disposal and so the quality of the model they create and their ability to understand the model is completely dependent on their ability to understand the tools that they use to create the model and the different strategies that they use to to build the model as they went. As an educator that's becoming uh, acquainted and then deepening their knowledge of the practice first and then considering you know how that would be implemented in your classroom um, what type of learning curve do you anticipate for yourself um, and, and other teachers in your school or district? I, I do think that for myself and, and for others it's going to take quite a while to get good at, at really implementing this practice. Um, the, the positive side of that though is I think that, that this is something that most teachers are already doing on some level or another and w when you read the standard uh, my first reaction is, yeah, this is really what we want our students to be doing uh, mentally. We want them to be looking at tools and, and analyzing their strategies. We want them to be going deeper like that. So I think that a lot of us are already starting that and planting those seeds in our classroom. It just becomes a matter of um, finding colleagues and peers to work with to help us be more intentional about developing it as a practice and finding what we're doing that's right and building on it together and then finding what we're doing that might be kind of inhibiting this practice and figuring out how we can avoid that or how we can change it so that it doesn't um, stun our students growth in terms of, of this practice.